biggest difference between a tabletop exercise and a red ball drill is that a table exercise typically only involves management or headshed, right? So you're literally missing the perspective of everyone else in the organization. And then tabletops also focus on the review of policy, not so much the development of policy. You are listening to the Rain Insights on Security podcast with Brian Lynch. In today's episode, Brian speaks with Eric Muchnick, president of Experior Group, Inc., a risk management company, about his red ball training method for active threats. Hello, Eric. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Great to have you aboard. We're going to be talking today about a specific type of training you offer through your firm, Experior Group. So let's start at the beginning. What is the concept around your training offering? So it actually came at the request of a client who uh, wanted training that was non-disruptive, um, that didn't scare anyone, um, and and that they could run without the tenants in their building even know that knowing that it was taking place. Um, and when they asked that, it sounded really hard. <laughs> so so as I thought about uh, you know how to train people and how to approach people meaningfully. Uh, to have discussions about process, the idea of the red ball drills uh, came to bear. And they're called the red ball drills mostly because I was literally holding a red dodgeball in my hand as I was thinking about how to run this training program. And boom, there we have it. That's an interesting story about how you came up with the name. Uh, Eric, you have talked with me about trauma versus trauma-less training, and and your uh, offering uh, certainly helps with that. Oh, so yeah, it's a trauma trauma informed drills as opposed to trauma free drills, um, um, which is a similar similar concept. But you know, we we do both. We take the drama out and we take the trauma out. Um, but basically, the idea of trauma informed training, all that really means is eh, keep in mind that people might be sensitive while you're doing the same training you're going to do anyway. Um, so it's somewhat meaningless. Um, you know, depending on the company and how they apply that process to their training. The Red Ball drills were designed from the get-go as trauma-free training. So there is no element of the Red Ball drills that would create angst or anxiousness, uh, even from a PTSD standpoint. So uh, so that's the unique difference of, of what we run. We run live exercises during a workday. Um, so you're not taking anybody offline. And those live exercises not only don't disrupt operations, but they don't create any fear, and they're entirely site-specific. All right. So you mentioned about trauma-less training and how important that is, particularly in active shooter training. Can you talk a little bit about how your program helps with that? Yeah. So, you know, realistic training that we've seen reports on, you know, where lawsuits have come out of, where it's realistic and there's fake weapons or rubber bullets or paint guns. Um, the reason those happen is because, you know, former law enforcement or military, you know, if you're, if you're law enforcement or military, you learn your whole career, the more realistic the training, the better, right? Because it's realistic and you're going to build muscle memory and, and you'll respond more effectively. That is correct, but not applicable to a civilian population. And that idea that it has to be realistic so that it's more effective is actually completely out of the equation in a civilian population because you're never going to exercise enough to build the muscle memory you're looking for. And the value of that realistic training when you haven't been trained in any other dynamic of dealing with crisis management is, is futile. So the red ball drills 
understood that and said, look, we, we want to take all fear out of this. We want to just engage people meaningfully, treating them as subject matter experts to to basically develop better process in prep for preparation, response, and recovery to a crisis incident. And I've heard you say that it's really scenario-based process with specific outcomes that can be applied across different training areas of a company. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, as you know, originally the red ball drills were designed for active shooter training because that's the request of the client. They said, you know, we don't want anything scary. As we started running the red ball drills, we realized that the process process was applicable to a large variety of facets in any given organization. Um, and that was at the request of one client who said, you know, can the red ball represent a missing child? And I said, I don't know. I've never tried it before. Let's try it. We tried it and it worked because of the dynamics of the red ball drills. And it's, it's a proprietary process, you know, of how we lead a conversation and engage participants in a conversation to develop better process. And it sounds to some like a tabletop exercise. Um, and it's not wrong to envision it somewhat that way. The biggest difference between a tabletop exercise and a red ball drill is that a table exercise typically only involves management or headshed, right? So you're literally missing the perspective of everyone else in the organization. And then tabletops also focus on the review of policy, not so much the development of policy. The red ball drills come in and they actually physically move through the space. So you capture more variables and have conversations with people who understand the dynamics of that facility and the organizational culture of that facility better than you do and engage them in a way that, that leads to better discovery of process. And that process that you talk about will lead to what I've heard you say is better outcomes specific to that which is being required of whatever that area is, whatever that training is. And can you can you dig a little bit deeper on how it does help the outcome that the company, your client might be looking for? Yeah, sure. Because because we're we're literally talking about process to a certain situation. So let's let's take a, a 911 dispatch. So we were running red ball drills at a hospital at their cancer center. And as we were, you know, pulling the ball on people and, you know, they basically get a memo saying, hey, if somebody approaches you and produces a red ball, it means you're about to have a conversation about a crisis event. So, you know, as we were pulling the ball on people in this cancer center, they said, oh, we're calling 911. I'm going to call a 911 if there's an active shooter. And so I said, what does that mean? I mean, I kind of know what it means to call 911, but I don't know what happens. So we took the ball to the 911 dispatch for this large healthcare system. And when we did and pulled the ball in the dispatcher and she saw the ball and goes, oh no, the red ball, is there, is there an active shooter in dispatch? And I said, no, I'm curious what happens if you get a call from the cancer center saying, oh my gosh, we have an active shooter on the fourth floor, go. And immediately she launches into the questions that, that a 911 dispatcher would ask somebody calling in. After a few seconds, like 15 seconds, I say, you know, I'm curious, you haven't mentioned that you're sending police response yet. And she goes, well, our policy is to gather the information first and then provide it to police officers en route. And I'm like, interesting. And I'm like, and how do you send police officers? And she lifts up like the gray microphone looking thing and says, I flick this switch and I tell them what's going on and where to go. And I'm like, good. I want to see it. I want to understand what that process looks like. And I pulled out a stopwatch and I said, when I say go, ask me all the questions you would ask me before using that gray microphone. She launches into it. And a minute and 45 seconds later, she's done with her questions. That's without answers. 
So let's assume four to five minutes of time before she's even sending police to scene. So I said, why? Is there any operational reason why you are doing it? And she says, and this is what we hear with red ball drills all the time. You know, now that we're talking about it, no, there isn't. In fact, if we switched it, I I could be on, on the microphone with police sending them immediately and simultaneously on the phone with the caller to convey information real time. And I said, that's amazing. I can't multitask. So the fact that you can do that is astounding. And she goes, we're literally trained in dispatch to multitask. And I said, so there's no reason not to change it that you can think of from an operational standpoint. She said, no. So I said, how do you change policy in 911 dispatch? And she goes, well, the 911 dispatch manager has to do that. And I, and he walks up as we're having this conversation. He goes, I can't believe we haven't had this conversation before. We've run hundreds of drills in 911 dispatch. And I said, you have, but those are more about reviewing policy and checking a box to ensure you're following established procedure. The red ball drills goes to the dispatcher and says, here's the scenario. You tell me what the best response is and let's discuss it. So I said, what does it take to change policy? He goes, oh, I'll tell you what it takes. I'm going to email my boss as soon as you and I are done to notify him of the change of policy and every dispatcher will be trained up by 9 a.m. tomorrow. And I said, wow, you're telling me we just say five minutes of police response time to any given event? He goes, yes, we did. Not because I'm a security consulting genius, but because that dispatcher was put in a position to discuss process in a meaningful way without putting her on the defensive, without me imparting my wisdom as a consultant. So that's really the dynamic of the Red Bull drill and why the outcomes lead to almost immediate process change. So is it fair to say that the improvement is based upon the person's own experience from the conversations that are undertaken during the training. Correct. That's, that's why we say, look, we're, we're not consultants coming in. Usually when a consultant comes in, they're like, I have 25 years experience. Here's a solution that I've designed and you need to learn this solution. There's something wrong with that kind of training. It's very different than what the red ball drills too, because there's, there's very little discovery when you go in to teach people, right? Something that you've already put together. The red ball drills don't rely on a solution. They rely on a dynamic of conversation with those who understand process in that facility better than we do, right? Because there's no way, I mean, the problems of an elementary school are not the problems of a middle school or not the problems of a high school. The problems of a healthcare system from one hospital to the other can vary differently, you know, vastly. So the red ball drills go in and engage people as subject matter experts, which they are because they live there. And when you put somebody in position and say, hi there, I need your help based on your knowledge. Can you help me? They say, why, well, yes, <laughs> I would love to help you based on my knowledge. And that's the kind of conversation we have through Red Ball Drills. And I think that's, a, that's an important point because it's the person who's involved in the training who has the role and responsibility that is providing the change based upon the conversations and the information that is being provided during the training. I think that's very. It's a very important point, Eric. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I, it, it is one of our prime prime directives, and it's it's tough when you train moderators because mo- all of our moderators have some, you know, past performance. You know, they're former law enforcement, former military, or applicable security or safety or emergency preparedness experience. We have to train them not to go into any facility with preconceived notions. Um, and and it's important because you dilute the opportunity for discovery. If you go in thinking that something should work a certain way, it's only through the process of the red ball drills can you then apply your experience meaningfully without 
sort of shoving it in their face, if that makes sense. Yes. And you've talked about the use of these drills and the training concepts that you highlight from your firm, uh, obviously for security, active shooter, emergency management. But you also say that you can use it in a cyber environment, procurement, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about the other uses, maybe not in the security-centric focus, uh, that firms can use this and, and gain some uh, some valuable insight from their people? Yeah. So after after the drill we ran, where we ran it on on a missing child, you know, because someone said, "Could the ball represent a missing child?" <laughs> and so we tried it, and the discussion of process was so meaningful that it it created organizationally relevant policy for a missing child response. Um, you know. So once we did that, we realized we can use this for anything. And so we ran scenarios on sexual harassment, dealing specifically with Title IX and Clery Act issues, you know, and approaching people meaningfully to discuss process on the dynamics of reporting sexual harassment, even identifying sexual harassment. Um, and then in with, actually, this was a, a red ball drill we were running with police at a healthcare system. And after the first drill, one of the police sergeants said, you know, Eric, this training is amazing. I've never seen anything like it. You know, as police, we train, you know, weapons high 99% of the time. Rarely do we have conversations like this about process and certainly never in the dynamic of the red ball drill. I'm like, well, thank you. I'm glad you like it. He goes, not only do I like it, have you ever run this for supply chain and logistics? <laughs> this was a cop telling me this. I'm like, I'll be honest. I, I don't know if I know what that means. <laughs> He's like, let me explain this. To get medicines from one end of this healthcare system to the other end of this healthcare system can take a week because our supply chain and logistics process is a mess. He goes, but if you went to the supply chain group, pulled a ball and said, here's the scenario, you are the experts, let's talk about process. I'm telling you that you, your discovery would be amazing because right now what everybody does is go to supply chain and logistics and try and chop off their head because they're angry. And there can be no discovery if you approach somebody angrily and saying, why don't you do this better, right? Immediately, they're going to go on the defensive and then fingers are pointing and then you've now just hit a stalemate and there's no value. The red ball drills can go in and say, here's a scenario. Talk to me about how you would handle it. And that's where the discovery comes from. And we tried it and it worked really well. And procurement's very similar. Procurement is historically the slowest process in any given large enterprise, right? Trying to onboard new vendors is a very difficult process. So if you approach procurement and say, hey, the chief security officer or, you know, the head of HR needs this contractor onboarded for an emergency need, go and discuss the elements behind that with procurement, but in a way that doesn't put them in a defensive stance, you garner better information. And it's immediately applicable because it is entirely relevant to that organization. So I'm not going in with a procurement solution that I learned from another company. I'm going into that company and discussing their culture with their procurement people to develop better process. So we've seen the, the cross-department use of, of your concept and the, uh, the training uh, associated with that and the learning that comes from that training. Are, are there any limitations to its application in a company? I haven't found them yet. So if somebody asks me, the, the reason the red ball drills grow is because as we take them to different clients and we deal with environmental health and safety, or we go to a construction site and there's OSHA related elements, you know, or, you know, a large multinational company where, that has procurement issues, they ask us, hey, could we run this for procurement? And my initial answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I've never tried it. 
Historically, we have seven years of past performance and certification from the Department of Homeland Security. I'm confident we can, but I'll be honest, I don't know until I run it. So at this point, we have not come across anything that is that is stymied our progress, you know, and that includes law enforcement directly because the red ball drills, it was a law enforcement officer that said, Eric, I'm watching these drills. You could run them live with police officers on duty without taking anyone off duty and run scenarios on cultural diversity, on high threat activity, on body cam usage. And he goes, and you're now asking police officers their opinion. He goes, imagine training for police officers that treat them like the subject matter experts they are. And I said, wow, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> so we did. And running red ball drills with police has been eye-opening to say the least. And you get buy-in from the ground up because the gap that exists between what a chief of police thinks is happening on the street and what is actually happening on the street can vary greatly from department to department. And most chiefs will even tell you that, right? Not a fault of anyone. It's just the way it works. But with the red ball drills, we can go from the ground up and get buy-in from the ground up on process change that's meaningful to those officers that are on the street while still taking into account, obviously, the infrastructure needs and the policy needs of, of that department. So, Yeah, let's move to our last area uh, of our conversation today. And it's an area that uh, most companies have a process for, whether they test it or not on a routine basis, uh, is probably something that would uh, lend itself, to, I think, to your to your capabilities here, and, and it's really around crisis management. So, and, and we all know that companies define their roles, responsibilities, uh, what the outcome is, let's solve the problem. Let's talk a little bit about how your solution, your training solution, your process-based solution can really help companies nail this crisis management process. Well, it's one element of it, right? So, so the red ball drills aren't the end all be all of all training. You know, we don't do stop the bleed training, which I would say is more important. First aid training, far more important than running a red ball drill. Um, you know, if you're, if you're picking and choosing the, the nice advantage is first aid training is free, but what we can do and what other solutions, if somebody has developed a solution, you know, or an approach, it's a blanket solution. It's very seldomly tweaked so that it meets the individual need of an organization, whether it's a school or a hospital or a commercial enterprise uh, or a manufacturing facility or distribution facility. So the red ball drills go in and the, the scenarios that we develop for the red ball drills are coming from the client. So they are inherently meaningful to their operations. Um, and, and so we're able to go in like to a native American tribe and deal with directly with cultural issues that they deal with from a crisis management perspective, you know, a shooting at a casino or some other dynamic that, you know, that only they would deal with based on the dynamic of their operation. So the red ball drills can go in and, and provide the conversation that develops process that they can almost cut and paste into their crisis management plan or training plan because it's so meaningful to them and immediately embedded into what they need as an organization. And your red ball training can also help organizations with the communications piece of a crisis management program, which as we know is one of the critical components of that program. How, how can your training help with the communication side of crisis management? Uh, I mean, any given crisis event is 90% a communications issue. 
Um, and most emergency managers or anyone in that field would, would probably agree. I mean, the numbers coming somewhat from out of the air, but still a high, high percentage that communication is the issue. So because the red ball drills follow process, right? And, and I'll give you a quick example. So when we ran this in Kenya uh, for a mining facility and we pulled the ball on 16, you know, um, workers that were basically collected dirt for, ref- for refining in the, in the processing plant. And they saw the ball and I said, you know, I said, okay, here's a scenario. There's a truck driving up the road. You all see any vehicle coming up the road to your facility. And they said, oh yes, yeah, we, we see them coming from far away. And I said, okay, a truck is coming up the road, four gunmen aboard. Let's assume they're Al-Shabaab. And there'd been four Al-Shabaab attacks at the time on mining facilities. Um, and, and I said, okay, go. And part of the red ball drill process is let them talk, give them the scenario and let them work through their process until their natural conclusion. Cause eventually they'll say, I don't know what I would do next. And that's where we start to have the discussion. So I said, what would you do? And one guy raises his hand. He goes, I think we would call the security command center at base camp. And I said, that makes sense. The communications plan for this entire mining facility was cell phone based because everybody in Africa has a cell phone essentially. And T-Mobile works better in Kenya than it does here. So, I said, okay, would then, would, does everybody agree with that? And all 16 guys agreed. So I said, all right, how many of you have the phone number for the security command center in, in your phones? All 16 raised their hands. I'm like, great, good. Now, most training exercises, you check that off and say, great, everyone has the number. Let's move on to the next thing. But the red ball drills are about process, right? So I pointed at one guy, I'm like, you, show me your phone. He shows me his phone. Not only is the number in his phone, it's a favorite in his phone. And I said, well, go ahead and call because I want to, I want to see the dynamics of how they respond and how they answer. And he looks at me, and goes, oh, no, 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 I, I can't, I can't call the command center. I'm like, no, 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 you won't get into trouble. I'll tell them it's a red ball drill. It's okay. You know, go, go ahead and give them a call. He goes, no, you don't understand. I can't call the command center. And I said, why? He goes, I don't have any minutes on my phone. I go, oh, we're in Africa. <laughs> they pay by the minute. This is not a monthly contract. So I said, how many of you don't have minutes on your phone right now? 14 of the 16 raised their hands, which told me that 75% of the employees at this facility do not have minutes on their phone and their entire communications plan is now out, out the window. So I said, well, this is, this is a real problem, you guys. How do we solve this problem? Should we put a hard line in your shipping container so that you can pick up the phone and call the command center? And they said, no, 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 that won't work. And they explained why it wouldn't work. And I go, well, we need to solve this problem. How do we do that? A 22-year-old kid raises his hand. And he goes, I think I have an idea. I go, great. Talk to me. What do you got? He goes, well, if the security command center had a toll-free number, we'd be able to call it regardless of whether or not we had minutes on our phone. I looked at him and I said, yes, yes, this is what I needed. So I go to the security director and I said, here's the major problem you have with communications. And here's a solution one of your people came up with. He smacks his head. He goes, I feel like an idiot. I've been living in Africa for 10 years. It never even occurred to me that the staff doesn't have minutes on their phone. And, I'm like, and I said, look, I just did an assessment yesterday. I didn't catch it either. The whole point of the red ball drills is that it relies on the knowledge of those who understand process at the facility better than we do. I said, how much does it cost for a toll-free number in Kenya? And he said, I literally have the money in, in my wallet right now. So for the cost of nothing, we've just solved a major communications problem at this mining facility because we talk to the people who understand better. 
So that's how, that's one example. That, that was actually the red ball drill that convinced me that the red ball drills work. That was like our third client. I was like, wow, this is really working. I'm going to continue and, and keep doing these. So, so we did. And that's, that's where we are. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. That's a great example and really appreciate your time today and providing information about your scenario-based process related to your red ball training and the outcomes and the experiences that uh, employees and employers and clients have in using your product and your theories on how do we make things better at a company. Thanks again for joining us today, Eric. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Eric Mushnick has worked in security consulting and counterterrorism since 1994. He is president of Xperia Group, Inc., which is a RAIN network expert company. You can find out more about Xperia at xperiagroupinc.com. RAIN is a risk intelligence company that provides access to critical insights, analysis, and support to ensure business continuity and resiliency for our members. The RAIN Insight Series is part of our commitment to collaboration and information sharing from the world's leading risk management experts. Find out more about RAIN at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.